Welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Good morning, Greystone. Let's get a smile out of everybody today. It's a beautiful day. All right, amen. Welcome to the Way Church service at Greystone. I want to thank everyone for coming out this morning to get a portion of God's word, amen. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our risen Savior this morning, our Lord Jesus Christ. For making all this possible for us, by going to the cross, shedding his blood, for the forgiveness of our sins and becoming the final sacrifice for our sins so we can have a new life, eternal life, spiritual life and a new purpose here on planet earth for all who believe in the one and only Son of God. We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we study it, learn it, use it, and apply it to see how God wants us to live, think, act, serve, and how to treat ourselves and others. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. One body? Many parts. I'm going to personally welcome all of you to the way. We depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. And if you do have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it does not disturb this morning's service? And we will start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Gracious Father, thank you for allowing us this awesome opportunity this morning, Lord, to gather together as your family, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord. And place your name above all names, Lord, even our own, as all of us fight to put you first in our lives, Lord. Thank you for your generous provisions of grace and mercy that begin afresh every morning so we can accomplish your will for our lives, Lord. Help us, Lord, to walk in the Spirit each and every day and not our flesh, Lord, by denying ourselves for your glory, Lord, and not ours. And we're just so grateful, Lord, that you give us your word as the owner's manual to teach us, correct us, Lord and to show us how to live down here so we can have a fruitful life down here for you, Lord, and bring others into your kingdom. We pray for our world, Lord, and our world leaders, that you touch all their hearts, Lord, to bring peace into our world, Lord, and our lives, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, soon, Lord, to settle all accounts. Take the bitterness out of our hearts, Lord, and fill it with your love, Lord, your unconditional love, Father, so we can glorify you, Lord, and bring other people into your kingdom. And as as always, Lord, let everything we do today be led by your spirit and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen and amen. Okay, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing. We're going to get started.
Does she have a beautiful voice or what? Get it. Oh, thank you. Oh, my sister Cheryl, are you still doing it with the glasses? If any, yeah, if you have any um, glasses that you're not using, please see our sister Cheryl. She's helping people out that are less fortunate than us to give them glasses. So if, if anybody has any that they don't need, please see our sister and uh, she'll take care of it, okay? Thank you, sister. What a beautiful day it is, amen? amen? I'd also like to thank all the people that come in every week to keep this going. Doesn't the church look beautiful this morning? Amen. <laughs> One body, many parts. Just so grateful and thankful. What a beautiful day it is, right? Everybody comfortable? It's beautiful in here. Comfortable, right? Everything's working. Beautiful. You don't want a hot preacher. And you don't want to be sweating in the public. You get a fire and brimstone message if I'm hot. So you better keep me cool. <laughs> How about an amen for that, right? <laughs> All right. We're going to start. We're going to continue our service and our message on Romans 8. But first, we're going to start off in Psalms 119. Please turn there. We are using the black Bibles in the pew. So please help yourself to them. As a reminder, the Holy Spirit is going to be taken over as the word of God goes out. So please prepare your hearts to receive the message. To listen to what the Spirit is trying to say to the church this morning. Amen? Amen. Okay. Psalm 119, verse 1. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. The Bible tells us to compare our lives with the word of God and not to compare our lives to other people. Jesus is the standing. So when we compare ourselves to that, all of us fall far short and we're all equal in God's eyes and we're all in the same boat. Amen? Amen. Okay, now we've got that straightened out. Look at verse 7. As I learn your righteous regulations, or as I learn your word, Lord, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. Oh, what a beautiful statement there, right? Please don't give up on me. Other people give up on us all the time. We give up on ourselves all the time. But the faithful love of the Lord never gives up on us. Amen? That's beautiful. No. Verse 9, how can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have tried hard to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart, Lord, that I might not sin against you. See, when we put the word of God into our hearts and circulates in our minds, it gives us the opportunity not to sin because we're always sun conscious not sin conscious. Can I get an amen for this? That's why the word has to be always circulating in our hearts and in our minds. 
Verse 12. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments, or I will study your word, and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. How many of us forget the word all the time? We get up every morning, we want to do God's will, we really do. But it seems like we have this memory span of forgetting God's word. When the world comes up and tries to corrupt us and life comes at us, we forget the words of God that are stored in our hearts. Thank God for his grace and mercy, huh? What a beautiful Lord we have. When you understand the real God, the God of the Bible, he never gives up on us. He doesn't condemn us. He doesn't punish us. He chastens us and corrects us for our own good, but he doesn't punish us. Amen? He loves us unconditionally. That's the God of the Bible. I will delight in your word, decrees and not forget your word. Verse 17. Be good to your servant, that I might live and obey your word. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see, to understand the truth of the Bible. See, before we were believers, the Bible was the written word of God. After we become believers, it becomes the living word of God. Everything in the Bible comes alive. It comes part of us through the Spirit. Amen? It's just a written word before we get saved, but after we get saved, it's the living word of God as the Spirit regenerates us. Look at verse 19. I am only a foreigner in the land. One thing we have to remember, we're just passing through this land. We're to be reasonably happy here, not to store all our treasures down here where moths can destroy and rust takes takes it away. Store up our treasures in heaven. You can't take any of this with you. One life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And that's the truth. You can do a lot of things for yourself and big yourself a big name and reputation here. It doesn't mean nothing in the eyes of God. All that matters is are you faithful to what I'm teaching you? Are you faithful to me? Do you love me? Like I love you. Look at verse 20. I am always overwhelmed with the desire for your regulations. You rebuke the arrogant. Those who wander from your commands are cursed. Don't let them scorn and insult me, for I have obeyed your laws. Even princes sit and speak against me, but I will meditate on your decrees. Your laws please me, and they give me wise advice. Who do you go to for advice? Do you go to the word of God or do you go to people? Sinners can't fix sinners. The word of God is where we go for our advice. It teaches us and corrects us. If you're going to go to somebody with advice, you go to somebody who has spiritual advice that will bring you to the scriptures, not to the world, because the world is not run by God. It's run by the devil. Look at verse 25. I lie in the dust. Revive me by your word. You see it? The word of God revives us. When the world gets heavy on us, the word of God reassures us that it's only for a season and he promised he'd never leave us nor forsake us. Don't take matters into your own hands. Leave them in the hands of God who always judges fairly. 
The problem is, whenever we get frustrated and angry about something, we are trying to do something only God can do. When you learn that principle, you can have a lot of joy and peace down here. Leave it in the hands of God. He's the only one that can fix it. When you get angry and frustrated, you're trying to do what only God can do. You're trying to be God. And we can't be God. Just a little wise, godly advice. So you can have joy. Whenever you start to get frustrated, get on your knees. Lord, I'm giving it to you. Take over. Here's the keys. And then go on and leave it in his hands. He'll take care of it. You have to believe that. Verse 26, I told you my plans and you answered. Now teach me your decrees. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments. And I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. The word of God always does wonders. I weep with sorrow. Listen to this now. All of us weep with sorrow. All of us have sorrows. Always, all of us have moments of depression and oppression. That's part of this fallen world. But it says, encourage me by your word. The word of God is what encourages us, not what we see out in the world. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. I have chosen to be faithful. Here it is right there. It's a choice. It's a choice to be faithful to the word of God. Can I get an amen for this? It's not happened by osmosis. We're not robots. He gives us a choice and to do the right thing. And he puts the Holy Spirit in us so we can make the right choices. But he never takes away our free will. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. I have chosen to be faithful. And I have determined to live by your regulations. I cling to your laws. Lord, don't let me be put to shame. I will pursue your commands. For you expand my understanding. In verse 32 it says, I will pursue your word. For it, it expands your understanding. Every time you read the word of God, over and over again, he gives us a more understanding of the word of God. That's why, that's how we grow spiritually. We keep reading it and reading it. As we grow spiritually, he reveals more and more of himself to us. Amen? So you never stop reading the word. It's like a calendar. The end of the year comes, you start reading it again. Genesis to Revelation. Just keep reading the word of God. And he will reveal to you, when you're mature enough to receive it, everything you need in the word of God. Amen? Don't ever stop reading the book. All right. That was a beautiful scripture, wasn't it? All right. Let us turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to continue in breaking down this chapter. All right. Romans chapter 8. We ended up into, into, into verse 9. I'm just going to read down to 9 and then we're going to expand on it and keep breaking it down. Can I get an amen for this? So pay attention. You're going to get something today. Amen? All righty. We'll start in verse 1. Life in the Spirit. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Big amen there. The devil always wants us to feel condemned when we fall short. And all of us fall short at times. He wants us to feel condemned. It says there is no condemnation. We are forgiven and we're children of God. Amen. Never let the devil win. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us. 
because of the weakness of our sinful nature, of our flesh. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Now, when we first come to the Lord, our sin nature always gets the best of us. But as we grow, we start to follow the Spirit instead. And as the Spirit leads our lives, we make better choices and decisions, and we don't let the devil beat us up as much. It happens slowly. It's a process. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Spiritual maturity happens over time, not overnight. You can't go through a drive-thru and get instant spiritual growth. We have to be patient with ourselves, be patient with God, and be patient with others. How many of us run out of patience real quick? <laughs> Let me give you a little example. God spoke to Noah. He said, I want you to build an ark. He puts it out in the middle of the desert where there's no water. Do you know how long he had to wait before the flood came? A hundred years. Trusting God to bring the flood. Did he have doubts? Everybody has doubts. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength, the Bible says. You have to wait on the Lord. He works over time through people, places, and things, and circumstances. Don't ever be impatient. Wait on the Lord. They call it water. Wait on the Lord. Be patient. And get an amen for this. Imagine how patient Noah had to be. Saying, there's no water around here. I'm going to go in a boat and there's no water. But God has a purpose for everything he puts on this planet. Amen. His ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our wants. Don't try to figure out God, you never will. You'll get more frustrated than joy. His understanding goes way beyond ours. He's infinite. We're finite. We're finite. Now, listen, verse 5. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So when we let God's Word control our minds and our thoughts, we have life and peace. When our sinful nature controls our mind, we feel dread in the weight of the world, and we feel dead spiritually. It feels like there's no hope. That's why we have to follow the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And that's a process. So please, take it easy on yourself and take it easy on others. All of us go through this growth process. But we're all, one thing's for sure. We're all going to get home to be with the Lord. We're going to get a safe landing. It's up to you whether you want to enjoy the trip or not. Right? I gave you the analogy before. Right? Two people are on a plane flying to Florida. One guy's looking out the window. The turbulence are coming. He's grinding his teeth. The other guy's taking a nap in the plane just enjoying the flight. The first guy didn't trust the pilot. The second guy did. They both got to Florida safely. But who enjoyed the trip? The one who trusted the pilot. Look, we're all going to get to heaven safely. You have to trust the pilot. 
Can I get an amen? It's a choice. It's a, you, you can understand it that way, right? How many of us are afraid to fly, right? You get up there. It's going then we end up getting there. People snoring on the plane, other people grinding their teeth. The one who trusted the pilot enjoyed the trip. The one who did, I'm not flying again, I can't take this. <laughs> Big amen there, right? All of us go through this. I'll tell you what, I decided to trust the pilot because he never leaves me nor forsake me and he never lets me down. People do, and the world always will. But God will never let us down, amen? Trust the Lord. Okay. Verse 6. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sin nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sin nature can never please God. Okay, let's break this down a little bit now. Okay, in verses 5 to 8, the difference between the flesh, the natural human life, and spirit, quickened human life. The difference is not between saved and unsaved. Since the saved can live a carnal, unspiritual way, we need to set our minds on the things of the spirit to be spiritually minded, subject to God, learning to think of Christ, and to think the way he thinks. See, the word of God is the way we think. If we are full of ourselves, then we cannot please God. The constant challenge here is to walk in the way of Christ or in the way of the word. But there are repeated encouragements to carry on in the Bible. Okay, verse 9. Stay with me now. Everybody with me here? Verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sin nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Statement of fact in verse 9. We are in the Spirit since the Spirit of God dwells in us. He is also called the Spirit of Christ, working to manifest the character of Christ. That character is the essential evidence of the indwelling spirit. Here too is sufficient resource for us to live according to the spirit. This is also why sin grieves the Holy Spirit. For he dwells in us and loves us. But we are now able to please God, something an unbeliever could never do. See, since we have the Holy Spirit, we can do things that please God. Before that, we couldn't. That's what it's talking about. All right, is everybody now? Now let's go to verse 10. We're going to break these down one at a time. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life. Well, the Spirit is alive. Because you have been made right with God. The moment you believed in Jesus Christ, you were made right with God. How about an amen for that? Amen. Nothing you did is everything He did. Now listen. The body is dead and will be replaced by a new body. We're going to get new, resurrected, glorified bodies. Thank God. Look, I got this on. I got braces on. I got battle scars from walking with the Lord. Anybody else? I see people limping and These bodies are breaking down. <laughs> Don't tell me about it. 
But he promised us new glorified resurrected bodies. How about an amen for that? I want one now. <laughs> Can I have it now, Lord? No. Okay, Lord, I'm waiting on you. Now listen. That this body is dead and will be replaced by the spirit is alive, being made alive with God. Hence the phrase to be born again, which is something Paul never used. Okay, it seems also that the spirit is made alive before faith, not because of our faith. Okay, the new life into which we have been delivered is wonderfully better than anything that preceded it. The new life we have in Christ is far better than the old life we left behind. How about an amen for that? All right, verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. He said, see what He said? The Spirit of God who raised Jesus lives in you. We have resurrected power. Listen now. Just as God raised Jesus, he will give life to your mortal bodies. He's given us life now in these bodies we have. We have spiritual life right now. Now. Living within you. Now, verse 11, promise of personal resurrection assured by Christ's resurrection and by the presence of the Spirit in our lives. We can enjoy resurrection power here and now. How about an amen for that? Ephesians 1, 19 to 20, verse 12. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sin nature urges you to do. We have these two forces. We got the sin nature and the new nature. Our sin nature always wants us to do something wrong. It urges us to do the wrong thing. Can I get an amen for this? Am I the only one that goes through this? We got this battle going on between the flesh and the spirit constantly because this sinful body cannot inherit the kingdom. This sinful body is, has bad DNA in it from Adam. It has a sin nature in it as rotten as the day is long. And everybody knows that, right? <laughs> so it says, <laughs> I wonder why I'm so beat up. I get beat up by my own sins. None of the people beat me up with theirs. What's the difference? <laughs> but one thing's for sure. He promised us. We are debtors. Now listen, in, now listen up. We are debtors and we have an obligation. This is spiritual, not natural. A consequence of being in Christ. Okay? The obligation is not to live according to human standards. However moral they may be. For that is to live according to the flesh. I don't care how good you think it is. The obligation is not an option. Yet, the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, we have resource sufficient to fulfill this obligation. The Holy Spirit gives us enough power to do what God wants us to do. We just have to what? Yield to it. Verse 13. I'm talking to believers here. If you live by its dictates, if you live by your sin nature, you will die. But if, here's a Bible if, if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the, death, the deeds of your sinful nature or the deeds of the body, you will live. 
You realize when you put your flesh aside and live for the spirit, you come alive. You're alive again. Our flesh kills us. The spirit brings us life. Now listen up. Let me expand on that. The one who lives according to the flesh will die. He has no future. Okay? Paul states that no Christian should live in this way. By the spirit, we can identify and deal with sins in our own lives. Further, the Spirit leads us in a way of obedience. This is part of the obligation to put to death those things which are wrong, misdeeds, our sins. How about an amen for that? Now, here it is. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Children of God. See, when we're led by the Spirit of God, we're children of God. Now, being led is much more than guidance in certain areas of our lives. Although it must include that, rather, it is being led according to the truth in all aspects of life. We learn to be constantly mindful to the ways of truth, not the ways of the world. Now, verse 15. Are we getting this so far? All right, pay attention. Verse 15. So now you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Or you received the spirit of sonship. Now we call him Abba, Father. Now you hear what it says here? It says you have not received the spirit that makes you fearful. So you have to understand that fear is a spirit. Okay, you understand this? People think it's an emotion. Fear is a spirit. God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Those are spirits. People do not understand this. Those are spirits that enter our mind. It's a spirit of fear. Because you, where does it come from? When you get fearful, where does that come from? Can you see it? Can you see it coming? How does it get in there? It's a spirit. It's the spirit of the enemy. He makes us fearful to do things for God. He makes us fearful to serve God. If I was to go off my fear, I'd never be able to come up here. I have to overcome my fear and trust that that's not from God. The Bible says God didn't give me that spirit. Guess who did? The devil. So anybody who's afraid to serve the Lord, that is not from God. He did not give you the spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of faith. So you can obey him and do his will. Don't ever let the devil win. Okay, Abba is an Aramaic term for father. Now listen to verse 15. Now listen up. Dealing with fear and enjoying sonship, in the past we were in bondage to fear. And therefore subject to fear. Hebrews 2.15 and 1 John 4.18 tells us this. Now we are in relationship with God, whom we address as father. Galatians 4, 6. God is our Father. We should never be afraid of our Father. Should we reverence and respect our Father? Yes. But should we ever fear our Father? Never. He always does what's best for us. Father knows best. Amen? <laughs> People remember that show, right? I'll tell you how old you are. <laughs> Look, when we come to church, we're supposed to enjoy this, okay? And love it. 
and come together as brothers and sisters. All of us come here, we're broken. God is putting us back together. We don't have to put a church face on. We could come here confused. The Bible says, come as you are. And guess what? We accept you as you are. And we should accept each other as we are. Don't try to get yourself prepared for church because God's the one who prepares us for church. Amen? <laughs> I love everybody here. Can't you tell? <laughs> and I know you love me. I can tell. <laughs> Nobody threw a tomato at me yet. So I gotta be doing something, okay? And people keep coming back, so I guess they're trusting God, right? <laughs> we walk by faith, not by sight, right? Amen. All right. <laughs> so we have not received a, a fearful slave, okay? So we understand that now, okay? In verse 16, for his spirit joins with our spirit, okay? And he bears, his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Our spirit and his spirit line up saying, I'm a child of God. I'm not a child of the devil anymore. I am a child of the king. And that's not a feeling, my brothers and sisters. That is a fact. You're not going to feel like a child of the king at times. You're going to feel like a failure. And that's just what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to walk away and close the book. Don't let that happen. You are not a failure. You are perfect in God's eyes the moment you believe. And you can't improve on that. It never depended on your performance to get saved. And it never depends on our performance to stay saved. Our performance and the fruits of the Spirit come as a result of our salvation, not as a condition of it. Once you understand that, you say, hey, I'm doing the best I can. The Lord loves me, understands my weaknesses. We don't have to get perfect to come to God. He's the one who perfects us. We come because we're not perfect. Pride gets in the way. Don't ever let it get in your way. Stay humble. Okay? Okay. In verse 16, the truths of Scripture are applied into our lives by the Holy Spirit. That's how it is. Okay? He bears witness, and we have total confidence that the word is indeed true. He is our assurance. We know that we belong to God in Christ through the inner witness of the Spirit. That's how we know. Verse 17 now. Stay with me. And since we are his children, we are his ears. In fact, with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But now listen. See, this stuff never gets taught in church. But if we're to share in his glory, we must also share his suffering. You get preachers preaching prosperity and everything's good. No, when we live for God, we're going to suffer down here. That's just the way it goes. It's part of the trip. And if you don't understand that and you're taught the wrong stuff, you walk away when suffering comes. Understand that we're suffering for God. Now listen up. In verse 17, our inheritance is in Christ. And we are joint heirs with him. An adopted son has greater rights than a natural son. All right, let me clean up there. I'm on camera. <laughs> the school drama. 
Better now? I get the signal. Better? My wife takes care of me. <laughs> hey, you know? It is what it is, right? Come as you are, even with spooge on your face, whatever it is, we'll wipe it off. <laughs> All right. All right, in verse 17, listen now. Our inheritance is in Christ, and we are joint heirs with him, and adopted son has greater rights than a natural son. This verse links our experience today with our glorious future. We see that suffering is part of our Christian experience, and in this we experience the comforts of sonship, the presence of his spirit, and we will learn lessons that cannot otherwise be learned. See, through suffering we learn valuable lessons. That's how we learn. The order is common suffering, then glory. Okay? The order is common suffering and then glory. Luke 24, 26, Acts 14, 22, and 1 Peter 1 to 11. There is a price for being identified with Christ. With Jesus. Along with being heirs of God's glory, Paul also mentioned the suffering that Christians must face. What kinds of suffering are we to endure? For the first century believers, there was economic and social persecution, okay? And some even faced death. We too must pay a price for following Jesus, okay? In many parts of the world today, Christians face pressures just as severe as those faced by Christ's first followers. Even in countries where Christianity is tolerated or encouraged, Christians must not become complacent. To live as Jesus did, serving others, giving up one's rights, resisting pressures to conform to the world, always exacts a price. Nothing we suffer, however, can compare to the great price that Jesus paid to save us. How about an amen for that? When you compare yourself with what Jesus did for you, you have no problem suffering for him. Compare yourself to that. Verse 18. Yet, listen now, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Okay? Let's put suffering into perspective. 2 Corinthians 4.17. Pain is part of the process of growth. Suffering is evidence of glory to come. Christ is our example. John 16.21, Hebrews 12.2. There is glory that will be revealed in us. Colossians 1.27, Hebrews 6.19. This is our hope. This glory is from Christ. John 17.22. Don't worry. What we suffer now is nothing to what we're going to get later. Amen? Look at verse 19. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Now listen up. Verse 19. Creation itself shares that suffering. Okay? And looks forward to deliverance. When all things will be brought into subjection to Jesus Christ. When Jesus comes back, he's going to settle all accounts. Trust it. Ephesians 1.10, Hebrews 2.8 teaches that this is something in the future. This is something that is going to come in the future. Can I get an amen for this? Hang in there. Now verse 20. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. 
but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. One day, one day, one glorious day, we're going to be done with suffering. We're going to be done with sin. We're going to be in constant bliss. Just imagine, you know them days when you're in a great mood and everything's good? That's going to be constant. Never, never one sinful thought in your mind again. These are the days to come. Trust me. What we suffer now is nothing compared to what's to come. Can I get an amen for this? This is what the Bible teaches, and this is what our hope is. Now listen up. In verses 20 to 21, Genesis 3 records the effects of the fall upon creation. God has subjected all creation to frustration or futility, which is the opposite of hope. Creation shares in the Christian hope, and thus it looks forward to liberation and freedom, and that is tied up with our hope. Hebrews 11.40 Jews and Christians will be perfected together. Old Testament and New Testament believers. Big amen there, right? Okay. Is everybody with me so far here? Hang in there with me. Verse 22. I love this one. For, all, for we know that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. How many of us, not only do we groan over these broken bodies, but we groan over what's going on in the world. This hatred and the devil controlling people and, making, and doing things that are so sinful and nasty. We groan over that. We want to do something about it. But we can't do anything about it. Only God can do something about it. Only Jesus. What we do is we hope and we pray for God. See, only God can get in somebody. See, only God can get in someone's mind and heart to change it. So you pray that they get inside them and change their heart. Only God can change the heart. Outward things cannot change an inward condition. Can I get an amen for this? By you rallying and doing this and doing that cannot change what goes on in people's hearts. Only God can. He tells us to pray for that. Pray for God to touch them. Like he touched you. Just think about the way you were before God touched you. And the hatred and nasty things that you used to think of and do. And say, well, if he did that for me, he can do it for them evil people too. Yeah. But that's who we go to. We go to the cross, not the flesh. People try to do something. We can't save ourselves. Only Jesus can do it. That's why we can have peace down here, because he does something that we can't do. He does for us that what we can't do for ourselves. That's why you, when you trust God, you don't have worry. You don't have fear. You don't have doubt. All the fruits of the enemy. You have peace, joy, patience, tolerance, self-control, because now you're being led by the Spirit. That's how you know who's controlling you. Whenever you're doubtful, angry, bitter, and resentful, you know that your flesh is controlling you. Whenever you have peace, joy, self-control, right? Gentleness, patience, then you know that the Spirit is controlling you. It's not rocket science. So now you say, well, what's controlling me right now in my mind? Just coming to church doesn't change that. You have to trust and believe what you're reading and studying. Once you let that get in you, it'll change you. The only thing that changes is our perception. The world doesn't get any better. 
All that changes is the way we think. We start to think like Jesus thought. They killed him. He didn't do anything wrong. The people that are doing wrong live. The people that do right die because we live in the devil's world. When you ask yourself, why, we, why is that happening? Because we live in the devil's world. It's being controlled by Satan. Big amen there, right? So the next time, listen, listen to me as your pastor. When things start to get crazy and you start thinking, what am I going to do out there? Get on your knees and pray for God because he's the only one that can do it. Then you can be able to walk in comfort and newness of life. Other than that, you're always going to be frustrated and angry. By the way, shut off the TV and what the news is telling you. Because it's all propaganda. They're getting paid to tell you stuff. Listen to the words of God. When the news comes on, say, oh, shut that off and get in the Bible. You want news? Read the good news. You're reading, the, you're looking at the wrong news. People get the paper, they read the, that's all propaganda. That's nothing to do with God. The next time you want to look at the news, say, I'm going to pick up my Bible instead. And let's read some good news for a change. People get wrapped up, Christians get wrapped up in the world when they should be wrapped up in the word. More people know what's going on in the world. Christians know what's going on in the world more than they know what's going on in the word. Should be the other way around. The Bible says, remember he told John the Baptist, I must decrease and he must increase. My thoughts, my actions, myself must die and Jesus' life must increase inside of me. He lives in you. He gives us a new heart. It's up to you whether you want to follow it or not. Whatever spirit you choose to follow is the one that's going to follow you. And whatever you fell into, the devil's always going to throw at you as bait. Thank you, amen for this. We're getting this, right? Amen. I'm trying to teach you because I love you. Now, in verse 22 we just read that it's been groaning. The evidence of frustration and futility and groans and labors, these are natural disasters such as earthquakes, severe weather, etc. They are repeat, they are repeated and cynical, cyclical, and increasingly severe. Okay? As with a woman's birth pains. Remember the Bible says the birth pains when things to come? You know the signs of the times. When the birth pains come, they come quicker and more frequently. That's how you know when the end comes near. As you see more things starting to happen, more and more, sooner and sooner. Just like when a woman's ready to give birth. The contractions get sooner and sooner. That's how you know when the end is near. And it's not up to us to know when. It's up to be us to be ready when he does come. Okay? Okay, and birth pain. And Genesis 3.16, where the scripture prophecies a woman's birth pain. In Matthew 24, 6 to 8, this is the beginning of the sorrows. In verse 23, and we believe is also grown, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory. We have a little taste of heaven now, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering, right? Oh, Lord, I can't wait till you come back and get rid of this body. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children. 
We're going to get the full rights. Our weight in should be for sonship. Including, listen, the new bodies he has promised us. I think. I'm holding on to that one, boy. That new body? Oh, boy. I can't wait to get one of them babies. <laughs> you know, because sometimes I want to do the things I used to do when I was 20. And now I got a brace on because of it. And the body, don't, my, my head wants to do it, but my body can't do it anymore. It's limited. <laughs> Help me, Lord, please. Help me see the difference. And I'm not, you know, I'm a little bit older now and I can't do the things I used to do. Although pride kicks in and thinking that we're like still superhuman and things fall apart. Thank God for Copperfield. <laughs> I'm going to get a new one. I'm going to get a new one. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Right now, i got to deal with this one. Okay. So in verse 23, we also groan within ourselves, looking forward to the glory which shall be revealed to us all, looking forward to freedom from sin and suffering, evidence if the work, the first fruits of the Spirit in of our lives, right? We want evidence of that work. The spirit working in our lives. And you see that little bit of fruit come out of you one day when you're actually nice to somebody when you don't want to be. And you let somebody, and you give somebody a break and you give them grace and mercy when you know they don't deserve it. You know, that's a little bit of the fruit coming out of you. But you know when you're harsh and condemning still that the flesh is still controlling you. You're supposed to give everybody a break. Don't you want a break when you fall short? Do unto others the golden rule. If you haven't learned anything else in the Bible, the golden rule is all you need to learn. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is the essence of the whole Bible. That's what it teaches you to do. Easier, to, easier said than done, right? Because we can't do it. That's why we need Jesus. We can't do it. We're an eye for an eye. I can't wait till they get this. Be careful what you say as a Christian because God will turn it right back onto you. Fair warning. Okay? Evidence of the work, the spirit in our lives. Just as creation groans, so does the church. Awaiting her deliverance into glory. The spirit in us also groans. Oh. We were given this hope when we were saved. Listen, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. Right? But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. We have to wait. Okay, in verses 24 to 25, a certain hope, a sure salvation, the fullness, based on God's promises, not yet fulfilled, not seen, but we trust in God for them to fulfill it. Not yet received and therefore something to look forward to. I can't wait to get my new body. I can't wait to not have a sin nature anymore. That's something I have to hope for. I don't have it yet, but we're going to get it. See, that gives us glory when hope, when there's no hope down here. We have something to look forward to. The rest of the world doesn't have that hope. We have that hope. That's why we keep going on and on and on and on as Christians. We keep going on and on. This gives us strength and perseverance for today. We are waiting, 
but active, not passive while we're waiting. In obedience, not complacency. In Hebrews 10.36, perseverance today and promise tomorrow, we wait patiently, awaiting God's time for our lives. We have to wait on God's time for our life. In verse 26, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. We recognize our weaknesses in our prayers, okay? We groan because words fail us. I don't know about you, I get like that too when I'm praying. The Holy Spirit interprets our groans. Imagine the Holy Spirit. Oh. Sometimes we forget to pray for, but God knows our heart. He knows what we want to pray for. Even though we forget, the Spirit doesn't. And it intercedes for us. Thank you, Jesus. You don't have to ever feel that you didn't pray for somebody or you failed. Because if it was in your heart, it got prayed. That's how you have to understand that. Don't ever look at yourself as a failure. Because what the devil does is he gives us amnesia in our prayer life. We forget. That's why when somebody says, pray for me, pray right there. So you don't forget. Just go in the corner and pray. Pray for them. And amen for this. I'm just trying to give you a little thing. Because I forget too. That's why Bobby has a prayer book. Write it down. Write it down. Okay. I'm excited. I'm excited for what's to come. What's happening here is going to pass away. We're going to get, it's going to be better. One day it's going to get better. Just hang in there, believers. Just trust God. Trust God. Don't trust the world, okay? All right. We recognize this, all right? This is an open route for all of us, and it's different from the gift and which is to some, not all. The intercession conforms to us in reality of Christ. It's not like speaking in some unknown language. Okay? It's just not understanding, not getting it. The Spirit prays for us to the Lord. It could be silent. It doesn't have to be some craziness. Like people misunderstand that scripture. We're God's holy people. The Spirit's interpretation and intercession in accordance to God's will any wrong motives in us are filtered out. The perfect unity in the Godhead is honored. And look at verse 28. We're going to close here. For we know that God causes everything to work together, right, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I don't care what you see. God says, if you love him and are called according to his purpose, he's going to work it out for good. He takes our mess and he cleans it up for us. Thank you, Jesus. You just have to trust what the Bible tells us. Don't take matters in your own hands. Leave them in God's hands. Our confidence is that all things work together for good, although we don't always know how. Our trust is in God, leaving the details for him. God is utterly committed to those who are His. All our struggles and sufferings are part of His work in us, and we know that His glory will be revealed in and through us. God's righteousness is revealed in predestination, which is a theme in chapters 9 to 11, but this doctrine is manifested also in our day-to-day -day experience. We know. It says, do we know? You have to know, for we have absolute confidence in God. You have to know that he's going to work it all off for good. If you don't, you're going to feel like this. 
and fall apart. You have to know for a fact. This is what the Bible teaches us. Fact over emotion. You have to understand that God is not an emotion or a feeling. You're not going to feel God all the time. God is a fact. You know he's with you. He's never going to leave you. But you have to understand this teacher is always silent during the test. When he's testing you to see where your faith is, you can't find him anywhere. But he's always there. When he's trying to bring us to maturity, don't go by what you feel. Go by your faith. We walk by faith, not by what we feel or what we see. That's what maturity is all about. Trusting in God. Can I get an amen for this? One more scripture. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. God saved you for a reason, to become like his son. If you ever want to know why you got saved, he saved you so you could become like his son. That's why he gives you his spirit. Amen? So just hold on to that thought, and let me tell you something. Hope in the Lord. He's going to come through for us. He always has, and he always will. All right, we're going to close there. I'm going to call up the ushers to come take the collection, and we're going to close. Brittany's going to come up and sing.
Freaking bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Gracious Father, Lord, thank you for the honor and privilege that it was this morning, Lord. And this not only come for your throne of grace and mercy, Lord, but to hear a portion of your word, Lord. Lord, help us to be convinced of the truths that you constantly teach us and show us, Lord, through your word. Help us to pray and wait patiently on you for your will and just to trust and have hope. At the, like the end of our message today, Lord, that everything you do has a purpose. Everything you do is the goal of becoming like your son, Jesus. Everything you do is perfect, Lord, even in our lives, Lord. You call us our handiwork, your piece of art, Lord. Help us to know and trust on that promise yes, and Lord. the various words you taught us, Lord. And Lord, I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Remember to take this picture when you leave, all right? Until we meet again, have a great day. God bless.